Hello, and welcome to this episode of By His Word. I am your host and teacher, Candy Carmichael. We've been discussing eternity past, present, and future. Last week, we ended with the prophecies that precede the return of Christ for the church. That will end time as far as the church age is concerned, but the end is not yet. After the rapture of the church, God reverts to time on His original calendar as given to the Jews. It is one that has 12 months of 30 days each. This sets a different timer, one that will initiate the worst time in world history and the greatest persecution against the Jewish people. It will result in the deaths of billions of people, but will also be the greatest number of souls saved in the world's history. At its conclusion, the remnant of the Jews who survived this horrific time will finally recognize Jesus as the Messiah. But these are the many things that occurred during the seven years before Jesus returns to the earth. Right now, we are in the season of Christ's return for the church. No one knows the exact day nor hour of that time, but we know that it can't be far off. Jesus said that the generation that saw all of the signs of wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilences, etc., plus the rebirth of the nation of Israel, will be the generation that will not pass away and will see the return of Christ. We are that generation. And since the generation today is considered to be between 70 to 80 years, and it began with the rebirth of Israel, we are now 75 years into that generation. The time is almost up before the trumpet sounds and the church is taken to her home, temporary home, for seven years. Before going into the details of what will occur on earth during the tribulation, let's first take a look at what the church will be doing during those seven years. Let's suppose for a moment that it is five minutes before the rapture of the church. Half of the earth is awake and in some degree of sunlight, while the other half is in some degree of darkness and much of that part is sleeping. Depending upon where a person lives at the time of the rapture, he could be asleep or awake. According to 1 Thessalonians 4.16, three things will occur at the moment of the rapture. There will be a shout, the voice of an archangel, and the sound of a trumpet. They are sounds that only those who have, as Jesus said, ears to hear, will hear. Only those who are in Christ will hear these sounds. That same verse says that the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 the reason why the dead in Christ rise first is that their spirits, which have been with Him in heaven since their deaths, must now be joined to their resurrected, glorified new bodies at the rapture. At the same time, we who are alive in fleshly bodies on the earth will be instantly changed in our bodies and then caught up to join them in the air. This event will occur so quickly and so without warning that Satan and his hordes will be caught completely off guard and unable to stop it. That is one of the main reasons that the timing of the rapture is known only to the Father, to prevent any interference from Satan. You may be wondering why there are three things that occur at the moment of the rapture. Evangelist Perry Stone gives a good explanation of this. So many, in many cultures, when a king is about to visit his subjects, there was first a shout to announce that he was about to appear. Then a herald would announce that the king had arrived, and a trumpet blast would sound at the moment the people first saw him. In the case of the king of kings, Jesus himself shouts in excitement as he descends from heaven. After all, he has waited for over 2,000 years to get his bride. Then the archangel, very likely Michael, who is the only one in the Bible described as an archangel, angel also announces the coming of Jesus for his bride. A trumpet sound is heard, but the verse does not specifically say who blows the trumpet. 
Imagine being sound asleep and suddenly find yourself wide awake and alert, surrounded by untold billions of believers throughout the church age. All of you are somewhere above the earth and staring into the face of the Savior that you have believed in for so many years but have never seen. Though there are so many of them around you, yet you seem to look directly into his face and feel the deep love that drew you to him from the beginning. He sees you, and you recognize him instantly, just as every other believer seeing him for the first time knows that he is looking directly at him. The Bible does not say how long we will remain suspended in space, unable to take our eyes off of Jesus. It is a moment worth everything you ever lived for on the earth, and you don't want to miss it for anything or anyone. For those who will be awake at that moment, it will be a shattering moment for those left behind. Imagine being in a conference room during a very boring meeting and you suddenly disappear. Your co-workers will be in shock. Patients in hospitals who know Jesus will suddenly be free of pain and disease. Christians in prison for their faith will suddenly be free from their brutal persecution and will receive a great reward for their faithfulness. Babies and children below the age of accountability will suddenly vanish from homes and hospital wards. The world will be in shock. But then our Savior will usher us into our temporary home in heaven. We will be there for a period of seven years while the earth experiences the tribulation. Now, some people have no idea of what we will do during those seven years, but the Bible tells of several major events. We don't, do not just float on clouds and play harps. The first thing we do is rest. The Apostle Paul describes this in the writing to the Hebrews. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his, Hebrews 4, 9 and 10. When reading the book of Revelation, Jesus is revealed as the bridegroom of the church. Seven churches are described in chapters 2 and 3 of the book, with two of the churches being commended and five of the churches receiving varying degrees of criticism and corrective statements. But in chapter 4, the Apostle John, who is the writer of the book, is suddenly translated to heaven. From this point until the 19th chapter of the book, the church is not mentioned. This indicates that the church is not present on the earth during the tribulation, because in Revelation 19.14, it states that the armies which were in heaven followed Jesus to the earth. These were the saints who were dressed in fine white linen. More on this later. That event is at the very end of the tribulation when Jesus comes back to earth to save it from total destruction destruction during the Battle of Armageddon. We as the heavenly army follow him, but he wins the battle without needing our help. After our initial rest and orientation to heaven, we will have an individual accounting of our lives and work for the Lord while on earth. How we lived and what we did with the resources and talents that he gave us determine our eternal rewards. This is known as the Bema Judgment or the Bema Seat of Christ. First of all, it is not a judgment for salvation. If you are in heaven at this point, you will be there for eternity. This is a judgment of your works and a determination of rewards that you may receive. When Paul wrote his second letter to the Corinthian church, he explained this future award ceremony. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, whether good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10. In his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul wrote that their Christian lives could be compared with constructing a building. First the foundation must be laid, which is Christ, but then each individual person decides the materials with which he builds the building. 
Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work endures, which he has built, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. 1 Corinthians 3, 12-15 We are not saved by our works, but we do receive rewards for what we do after we are saved. It is like receiving a paycheck from our heavenly employer. The Bible describes some of the rewards that we can receive, such as crowns. One crown is for pastors, and another is for soul winners, and then there is the crown of righteousness, which is not only for those living a pure life, but also for those who eagerly desire the Lord's return, 2 Timothy 4.8. The bimu was originally a seat high above the crowds on which a judge sat or an orator spoke. It was also a place where those who participated in athletic games heard the one who was presiding over the games announce the awards or crowns that he was to receive for winning. Besides the crowns that believers can receive, there are rewards for overcomers that are listed in Revelation 2 and 3. These include eating from the tree of life, overcoming death, receiving hidden manna, receiving power over the nations, having your name confessed before the Father and receiving white garments, becoming a pillar in God's temple, and sitting with God and Jesus on the throne. Other rewards are also relisted, but I'm sure that the Lord has special individualized rewards for His children that would be special to them throughout all eternity. I think many Christians will be very pleasantly surprised at the lavish repayment that Jesus will give for even the smallest acts of reverence to Him. These servants, these times that you helped an elderly person load groceries in her car or volunteered in the nursery at church, or the times that you sacrificed to give to a needy person or shared the gospel in a foreign country, are all remembered and recorded by the Lord. You may have forgotten all of these times, but the Lord credited your account and will reward you accordingly. Some people have made the statement that they don't care about getting any rewards, they just want to make it into heaven. Well, this could be a statement of false humility, or it could be an excuse for laziness. But the Lord has a reward laid up just for you, and trust me, you are going to want it. When the beam of judgment is over, and we are all walking on the streets of heaven, everyone will know the level of our service to Jesus by the rewards that we have been given. Some will have many crowns because they impacted multitudes for the kingdom of God. Others may have fewer visible rewards because they had they lived in restricted countries and they lacked some of the opportunities for service that others have. But those people will still be rewarded for their faithfulness and endurance, especially if persecuted for their faith. Now, if you make it into heaven by the skin of your teeth, but you never ministered to others or gave to help spread the gospel, you rarely attended church or fellowshiped with others, then think how you will feel at the Bema when you have no reward for service. Everyone will know that you are a fellow saint, but you are not a productive one. You will be safe for eternity, but you could have received the warm commendation of the Lord and heard His words, Well done, good and faithful servant. That alone would be worth a lifetime of servant service to hear those words from Jesus. One of my favorite pastors did not, or former pastors, did not believe in a literal judgment seat for works because he said it would be impossible for the Lord to judge billions and billions of people individually during the seven years that we are in heaven during the tribulation. 
I just looked at him, and I had to restrain my comments. First of all, since we don't know exactly how he will do it, we do know that Jesus will do it, because Paul said that we will all stand at the Bema, 2 Corinthians 5.10. Furthermore, since he can do anything, that judgment could take place in a moment of time and still be individual for untold billions of people. If we have no rewards and have no crowns, what will we have to give back to him? In Revelation 4.10, it states that the 24 elders who sat around the throne fell down to worship him and to cast their crowns before him in praise and gratitude. This takes place in heaven after the rapture and after rewards have been given. We all should long to have something to lay at the feet of Jesus in humble thanks for the magnificent gift of his salvation. Another event that will take place toward the end of these seven years of heaven is the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is a great celebration of the wedding of the bride, which is the church, and the bridegroom, which is Jesus. Not much detail is given about this supper, but John wrote that, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he said to me, Write, Blessed are they who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. Revelation 19, 7-9. We don't know how long this supper will last, what will be served, or who will the, who the servers will be, but it is sure to be magnificent and one in which there will be plenty of laughter and fellowship with everyone present. At some point during the seven years, Jesus will probably prepare us for the end of the tribulation when he returns to earth to set up his millennial kingdom. This will occur after the marriage supper is completed when Jesus descends from heaven and the church follows him. And I saw the heavens open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Revelation 19, to 14 the church will have seven years to eat, worship the Lord, receive rewards for earthly service, enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb, and be prepared for their final time of service during the millennium. That will be discussed a bit later. Now we're going to take a brief break, and you can find out how you can be witnesses in 177 different countries around the world. We will be right back. We hope you are enjoying today's show. We believe that God has given us a voice to impact communities and regions all over the world. If you would like to make sure that voice is heard, please partner with us today by visiting www.expressionradio.org and click donate. You can also text give by texting the dollar amount followed by the word radio to the number 84321. First time text givers, please choose Expression Church of Huntington when prompted. All gifts are tax deductible. Join us as we change the world. Welcome back. For now, let's back up to the time just before the rapture to see what happens to the people on earth who are left behind. Again, imagine it to be five minutes before the rapture occurs. Life is going on normally and as it has for thousands of years. Part of the world is preparing to sleep and part of the world is waking up ready to begin a new day. For nearly everyone, it is just another day. But 
This is going to be a day that will forever change the world. Suddenly, untold millions vanish from the earth with no warning and without a sound. All babies and children below the age of accountability for the knowledge of sin will be gone from every home, nursery, pediatric unit, daycare, or school all over the world. Every Christian imprisoned for his or her faith will immediately be freed, never to be beaten or chained again. Every Christian around the world who has never seen the face of Jesus will suddenly be looking into the eyes of the one who drew them by his great love. Movies on the rapture show cars suddenly without drivers or airplanes without pilots. Employees disappear from their jobs never to return. And people visiting graves of their Christian loved ones will see those graves fly open in an empty casket within the hole that is left. When Jesus was resurrected after three days in the grave, there was an earthquake that literally blew the stone away from the entrance to the cave where he was buried. What may occur when billions of believers who have died in the past 2,000 plus years are suddenly resurrected to meet the Lord in the air? Will there be a massive global earthquake that every nation will experience? A physicist has also speculated that the power generated by all of those newly transformed bodies could possibly trigger a global shutdown of the electric grid. No one knows the immediate effects until the rapture occurs, but these are all possibilities. We do know that the first effect will be panic and chaos. For those who are biblically illiterate, there will be no explanation for what just occurred. For those left behind who did have some biblical knowledge but either did not believe it or never have been saved, this will be a time of incredible regret and sadness. If they knew enough of end-time prophecy to realize that the rapture just occurred, then they also know that the terrifying days of the tribulation are just ahead. If the electrical grid is knocked out for a time, then there will be no heating or air conditioning, no lights, and no ability to refrigerate or freeze food. Panic will occur as people struggle to obtain food and water. Banking and online services will be unavailable until power is restored, so no one will have the money to buy anything that would be available. Since TV and internet would be down, there would be no way to get information about what occurred or to communicate with family and friends. Deception will be rampant as people try to find an explanation for why some were taken and others left behind. This will leave open the possible theories of abduction by aliens. In the book of Revelation, Jesus addresses the seven churches in the region that represented various levels of spiritual maturity. They were also symbolic of seven successive ages of the church, ending with the Laodicean church, which was lukewarm and typical of the false church just before the return of Jesus. In chapter 4 of Revelation, John is caught up into the spirit into heaven to see the Lord on his throne and the 24 elders sitting on it. Now, these 24 elders are probably 12 of the Old Testament saints and 12 of the New Testament saints, possibly the 12 apostles. There is no mention of the church again until the Revelation 19 when the saints return with Jesus at the end of the tribulation where he defeats the Antichrist and the false prophet and binds Satan for a thousand years in the bottomless pit. This is why most Bible scholars place the rapture occurring at this point in chapter 4 just before the start of the tribulation. In chapter 5, there is a beautiful passage of the saints singing a worship song to the Lamb of God who is about to open a scroll with seven seals. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, incense, which are the prayers of the saints. If you don't think that your prayers matter, they are kept forever. 
and they sing a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Revelation 5, 8-10. There will be a slight gap of time before the tribulation officially starts for several reasons. First, the church is in heaven worshiping the Lamb. The Antichrist is not revealed until after the church is gone. The Apostle Paul explains this when writing to the Thessalonian church. And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he was taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteousness, unrighteousness, deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. And notice that it says the lie instead of a lie that they will all be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness, 2 Thessalonians 2, 6-12. The third reason is that there will be a slight, that there will be a slight delay in the tribulation does not, is that it does not officially start until, and the countdown of days begin until the signing of the covenant between the Antichrist and the Jews. This is described in detail in Daniel chapter 9, especially verse 27. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Now this is a week of seven years. But in the middle of the week, three and a half years later, he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall be the one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So the sequence is this. The rapture occurs, the church is resting in heaven, and worshipers are around the throne of God. Jesus is the Lamb, and he is determined to be the only one worthy to open the scroll with seven seals, which begin the first judgments poured out on the earth at the start of the tribulation. Now that the church is gone from the world, the restrainer, who is the Holy Spirit within the church, is also taken out. Now he is not entirely gone, for millions will be saved through his ministry, but more on that later. It will take a bit of time for the Antichrist to be revealed not yet as the Antichrist, but as the master problem solver who can bring a type of peace to the world, especially in the Middle East, between the Jews and the Muslims. Once he has gained this global recognition, he establishes a seven-year covenant with the Jews that will allow them to rebuild their temple and have peace from the surrounding nations at last. At this point, the official start of the tribulation has begun. The Bible tells us that there, that there will be for seven years in use a Jewish calendar that is 12 months of 30 days each. Then the first half of the tribulation will be for 1260 days, as would be the last half. By the midpoint of the tribulation, the Antichrist breaks his covenant with the Jews and sets himself up in the temple to be worshipped. But at the signing of the covenant is when anyone living during that time could literally calculate the day that Jesus would return to the earth because of the set number of days in the seven years. We don't know the length of the gap between the rapture and the signing of the covenant, but when the latter event occurs, the timer for evil and the reign of the Antichrist has been set. Let's return for a moment to a few minutes before the rapture occurs. 
Unsaved parents will frantically search for their little children while nurses and doctors in hospitals are in shock over empty beds in the nursery and children's ward. Car crashes and plane or train accidents will be frequent. If the electrical grid goes down, people will be unable to get home from work. Hospitals will be unable to provide care, especially in critical care units with ventilators and other specialized equipment. The entire world will be in chaos. In the sixth chapter of Revelation, Jesus breaks the first seal on the scroll and the symbolic rider on the white horse appears. He went forth to conquer. This rider is not Jesus. It is a depiction of the Antichrist who is beginning to conquer territory for his eventual reign in the region. When Jesus opens the second seal, the rider on the red horse went forth. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword, Revelation 6.4. Again, this is a symbolic rider, and it is not Jesus, because the rider took peace from the earth and caused people to kill each other. Now, Jesus gives peace, according to John 14, 27, and he certainly does not advocate the mass killing of people. In the fifth verse of this chapter, a symbolic black horse rides, and famine comes to the earth, bringing obvious suffering and death to multitudes of people. Obviously, this again is not Jesus. It is the Antichrist. When Jesus opens the fourth seal, a pale horse begins to ride. The Greek word for pale is chloros, and it is a word that is a, that means a sickly greenish color. When a person passes away, his skin color often becomes this pale greenish color immediately after death. I have seen this many times as a nurse. John describes this symbolic rider of this horse by name. Then he opened the fourth seal, and I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger and death, and by the beasts of the earth. Revelation 6, 7 and 8. Obviously, this writer was not Jesus, because it was described by John by name as Death and Hades. They had the power to kill one quarter of the earth's population just by their own power alone, on top of those who had already been killed during the first three riders. Jesus is not the author of death. He conquered death and hell, so this rider is a demonic one. Now, some have said that the first half of the tribulation is relatively calm and peaceful because the Antichrist will bring a type of peace. But it is apparent from the sixth chapter that peace is taken from the earth at the very start of the tribulation. And the fourth, the fourth writer alone kills one quarter of the earth's population. So how many people will die during the tribulation? To answer that question, let's look first at the current world population, which is estimated to be roughly 8 billion, 80 million people. Now, the number of genuine born-again Christians is estimated to be about one and a half billion. There are more who claim to be Christians, but again, we have a false church and a true church. But of course, only God knows the real number for sure. 
On top of that, nearly 2 billion children are under the age of 13, which is usually the age of accountability. Now, these would need to be added because most statistics that determine the number of Christians usually apply to adults. So if these figures are anywhere near accurate, then approximately 3.5 billion people would vanish from the earth at the rapture. This would leave about 4.5 billion people if the rapture occurred in the next few years. The first four seals would claim up to 1.5 billion people alone, a massive drop in the population of the earth. Now, since the devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, then this would be a time of his so-called revenge against God for throwing him out of heaven. What is vitally important is to be sure that you are ready for the return of the Lord at the rapture so that you can escape the horror of the tribulation. The free gift of salvation has already been paid for, and it's yours if you will only receive it. You just need to reach out and take it. And if you have not already done so, ask Jesus to forgive your sins, to come into your heart, and to be your Lord and Savior. It will be the wisest choice that you ever made, and you will thank Him throughout eternity for His love and His grace. Make Him your Lord today. We will continue our study on time during the tribulation next week. Until then, keep looking to Jesus. We hope you are enjoying today's show. We believe that God has given us a voice to impact communities and regions all over the world. If you would like to make sure that voice is heard, please partner with us today by visiting www.expressionradio.org and click Donate. You can also text give by texting the dollar amount followed by the word radio to the number 84321. First time text givers, please choose Expression Church of Huntington when prompted. All gifts are tax deductible. Join us as we change the world.